0: Now if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that, th- so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now, if you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it, and God has placed in the church first of all apostles, second, prophet, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, and gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Now eagerly desire the greater gifts. You may be seated.
1: Thank you, Jen. Before we go into God's word this morning, I'd like us to have some prayer time together. Let us rejoice with Sylvan and Valerie, new baby in their home. That's an exciting exciting thing. I talked to some folks that have visited Valerie, and I said, How is she? Oh, she's great. She's making gumbo. I thought, hmm, something about those Nigerians or those Cam- Cameroonians about getting right back to work. Actually, Valerie wanted to go back to school on Monday. Well, I think we've convinced her that she should have a little more bonding time. But we're grateful for that family and as it came through. Speaking of them, as we go into prayer, um, I'm not sure how many of you have drawn close to Sylvan and Valerie and their children. They've been a part of our church for some months now. And uh, Sylvan is uh, busy taking some education at SAIT. Uh, Valerie is learning some English at uh, at school, and Sylvan is a, a man of no sleep. They're living in a two-bedroom—I think it's a two-bedroom, maybe even a one-bedroom—basement suite uh, with the uh, four of them, and now five of them. And Sylvan has been anxiously seeking uh, an opportunity to live in a home especially now that he has another little one. And so uh, Pastor Freddie and I have been diligently working with Calgary Housing, and I I want to report to you that this morning we have found a place about 12 blocks from the church, a nice three-bedroom home. And uh, we were down earlier this week and uh, got that organized for him and paid his damage deposit so that he can move in. And I gotta tell you, way up here, I can see the white teeth in that black face smiling. It's about this big. And so we're so grateful to God for allowing us to do that. We have a few more details uh, to work out on Monday, and hopefully we can get them moved in by Wednesday into this new home. But we need help. Sylvain has come with, with nothing to Canada. Uh, he's receiving some uh, assistance from uh, student money that he gets for going to school, but that's about all they have to, to exist on. So this morning after our service and after I share some thoughts, we're going to have a benevolent offering for Sylvan and Valerie. Uh, he now has a larger home with three bedrooms, but he needs some things to, to uh, make his family comfortable. We need to have some funds for the for the damage deposit that uh, that we have paid on his behalf at the church, but from the benevolent account. But we need to replenish that. But as well, they'll need some incidental things. Like one of the, two of the most important things are a bunk bed for his two little ones because they only have three bedrooms, so he can, his two sons can can be in one bedroom, and a new or. A great invention for moms with little ones is a stroller with two seats. Because now he has a little baby and he has the other little one, so mom or he can take the children for a walk and have that. So while we're thinking of prayer this morning and talking to God, may we seek uh, his spirit in our lives of what we might be able to do uh, in our benevolent offering after communion to help one of the families in our church that uh, are so rich. I've got to know him over this a little while, and he gives great hugs. He can pretty near take me off my feet. That's pretty cool. So let's pray together. Our gracious Father in heaven, we are grateful, as I said earlier, for all that you give us. And as we come before your throne room of grace this morning, Father, we want to first of all think in our own lives and allow our hearts to express all the goodness that we have in this wonderful country. Thank you, Father, for allowing us by your will and for your purpose and by your intention, we were born here in Canada for many of us and many have come to Canada. And so, Father, we are grateful for this country. We are grateful for what it offers us. We are grateful to have the joy of being part of this country. And so, Father, thank you. Thank you, thank you. We love you, we adore you, Lord Jesus. We lift your holy name above all names. In our inner being, we fall prostrate on the ground, telling you how much we love you and what you do for us and what you give us. From the very little things in our lives to the very big things. Father, we just so adore you, and we thank you. And Father, as we move forward, as a body of believers. Help us, Father, to recognize what we will speak about today on being members one of another. Help us, Father, to understand the truth about that simple analogy that you give us in your word about the human body and its relationship to the spiritual body. Come, Holy Spirit, and fill our lives with a sense of awe and wonder, but importantly, fill us with a sense of knowledge and commitment. As we move forward together, Father, we seek your will, only your will. We seek that you will be glorified and only you will be glorified. And we seek the empowerment of your spirit in our lives to really make us worthy of the great gift that you have given us on the cross of Calvary. And now, Father, just teach us for I ask it in Jesus' name, amen. I don't know about you, but when I, when I lived on the Air Force Base as I was sharing with the children. It was a bit of an isolated radar base, radar base so it was quite isolated compared to, uh, to where a lot of kids that I went to school with lived. We had to drive uh, about 35 minutes to the nearest town, and then another hour into the city of Halifax every morning to get to school. And I was one of the boys in my family that suffered from motion sickness. So my trip back and forth to Halifax every day was not a pleasant experience for me. But I do remember the only way that we got communication about the outside world is what we brought back from school, or what we got in the newspaper that was delivered to our home. And growing up with some brothers, it was always a little bit of a scramble to get to the newspaper first. And when I got it first, I always turned to the same section every time, which I think many of boys and girls my age did, we turned to the comic section. And of course, one of the most popular strips in the comic section, which I think anybody, it'll go down as the greatest strip in history is Peanuts. And I recall this one time when Lucy demanded that Linus change the channel on the TV and then threatens him with a fist if he doesn't. "'What makes you think you can have the right "'to take the TV over?' Linus asked. "'See these fingers?' Lucy said. "'Individually they're nothing. "'When I curl them together like this into a single unit, "'they form a weapon that is terrible to behold.' "'Which channel do you want?' said Linus." As he turned away, he looked at his hand and his fingers, and he said, "Why can't you guys get organized like that?" <laughs> well, I don't know whether Luther's methods were effective or not, but they prove, and they give us a powerful illustration for the church. The body of Christ is designed to be members one of another. They're designed to work together. Remember what she said? Individually, these fingers are nothing. But when I curl them, they're a powerful weapon. I want to tell you, my friends, let me read just a little portion from Dr. Goetz's book. As he talks in this whole book, Building One Another, is the 12 exhortations that I believe are the foundation principles for the New Testament church to be effective in such a way that they are actually a, a genuine witness to the world. Because how we treat each other in this room and in this building is a witness. Because when strangers come in here and they see how we're treating each other, they want to be part of this. We don't necessarily always have to say things to them. We demonstrate to them the body of Jesus in action in this world. Here's what Dr. Getz says about this. If we are to win the battle against our opponent in the spiritual realm, we must function as one dynamic unit. Building one another is absolutely essential. Now what's he saying about that? He's saying when we build each other, when we learn these principles and apply them in the life, we're a powerful weapon against the spiritual world. We're a powerful weapon against the spiritual world. And so that's what we're going to look at this morning. I'm gonna help us understand Paul's teaching this morning from our scripture by summarizing all all he says about members one of another in just three words. As we take this passage of scripture and as I've studied other passages, I'm going to put you on notice. Pastor Ken is going to do a couple of these coming up pretty soon. And so I'm excited about that. But I want to talk about members one of another by these three simple words. And the first word is each member is indispensable. Each member of the body of Christ is indispensable. That's the first principle we need to understand. Paul uses the analogy of the human body which is made up of many parts, to show us how the variety of parts, eyes, hands, ears, nose, is essential to the wholeness of the body. Each part must be presented in order for the body to be complete. You see that? The hands don't work. One part is missing, you fumble. But let's say for the sake of the argument, if it were possible for a body to be made up of only one part, then it would be an extremely limited body. If we were just an eye sitting in this room, we would be pretty limited. If we were just a hand, if we were just a foot, if we were just a pinky, that's all we were. We would be pretty limited. But we are given all of these parts of our body to function together. I remember doing evangelism explosion many years ago and i was walking the streets with my team and we came across a couple of young boys about 13 years old playing in the park and they asked us because we've been going knocking on doors they said what are you what are you doing what are you selling what are you giving away and i said well we're giving away eternal life and i began to talk to them about it this one boy said well how do you know there's a God? How do you know that God exists? Who are you to tell me that God exists? So I said this to him. I said, I want you to take a minute, and I want you to kind of just take your eyes mentally, close your eyes, and turn them inside your body. And tell me what you see. I said, just imagine, just turn your eyes inside to you and tell me what you see. He said, well, I see a heart, I see lungs, I see a stomach, I see liver, I see arms, I see all kinds of little vessels and blood and things going up and down. And I said, yeah, that's good. Who do you think made that? Who do you think made that? I said, do you really think that somehow you just evolved into that? Or did somebody make all those little parts inside you? Had a wonderful, wonderful conversation. And I think that's, that's the message that Paul is trying to teach us. When he gives us the analogy of the body that every part in there is special. Every part in there is vitally important. There's a story of, of a lady by the name of Miss, Mrs. Fly, Fly, Flo, Floyd Crook, and she recalls how the, the great truth of this scripture came to pass in her life. She said, I came home from school one day crying because I'd been given only a small part in the children's program, and my playmate, my best friend, got a leading role. Can you imagine... After drying my tears, my mother took off her wristwatch and put it in my hand. What do you see, she asked. I see a gold case, a face, and two hands, I replied. Opening the back, she repeated the question, opening the back of the watch. She said, I saw little tiny wheels, all kinds of little tiny wheels. The watch, she realized, would be useless without the little wheels. And she said, that changed my life as my mother went to tell me about Jesus and how we connected. Not all of us will play a leading role in the church. Some of us will be supporting actors and actresses, but we will all have a purpose and a place in the church. Each of us, each of you, is important and essential. I don't care your age, your sex, your nationality, the color of your skin. Each of you are essential for this body of believers to become the visible Jesus. If one is missing, if one is out of tune, the whole thing kind of gets shaky. Paul says that we are to be members one of another. Let me put it to you this way. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually, underline this in your Bible, are actually the most important. Sometimes we think, oh, I'm important, I'm the preacher. Oh, I'm important, I'm the teacher, I'm the youth worker. But the Bible says... The least of those are the most important. And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. We are indispensable as a body of believers. If we are going to become members one of another, if we are going to become all that Jesus wants us to become as a group of peoples, we must remember that we are members one of another. Now, I gave each of the children to take you out a little jigsaw puzzle this morning. Actually, big pieces. Now, none of you can tell me right now what the picture of this jig puzzle is going to look like. Some of you may have got a clue who it is, because your kids told you. But you will never know the picture. You will never know the picture of what that looks like till all the pieces come together and connect, till all the pieces become members one of another and they are joined together and all of a sudden the beautiful picture of Thomas the train comes alive. Well, I want to tell you, I gave you this for a purpose because unless the jigsaws of this church were you and me, unless we become members and connected together, we are not a very beautiful picture we're actually a pretty disjointed picture. And if some of the puzzle pieces miss, we don't get a picture at all. We get what we think might be a picture. We are indispensable with one another. The second one that Paul speaks about, each member is interdependent with one another. Interdependent. Without the cooperative and corporate partnership of various parts of our human bodies, many, if not at all, will vital tasks would not be responsible. Let me, talk, let me talk about something that's really important as an illustration. Our pastor who we love and are praying for and, and seeking God's face to bring full recovery so that he can get back shepherding his church. That's our wish. That's our prayer, right? going I hear an amen? Good. Just hoping I was on the right track. But something happened to Ken in his body that caused his speech to have some issues. And often when we think of speech or talk, we just think of one thing, like your voice box. But you know something? For me to say one word, for you to say one word, for Ken to say one word, there are many things that are participating all at the same time just so you can say that word. Your heart, your lungs, your capillary system, your veins, your brain, your larynx, your voice. Everything must be participating together for you even to say hi. It's just not one part of your body. There are many things in this body that must get into activation for us to do anything. I don't know about you, but I think isn't God great? Because I wouldn't want to just be born a voice. But I have all the parts of the body. We are interdependent one upon another. Let me see if I can explain it in a different way. There was a certain man, mountain village in Europe, several centuries ago, as a nobleman wondered what legacy he could leave or should leave to the townspeople. At last he decided to build a church. No one saw the complete plans for the church until it was finished. When the people gathered, they marveled at its beauty and completeness. Then someone asked, but where are the lamps? How, how will they be lighted? The nobleman pointed to some, uh, some brackets on the walls with some lamps. He said, then he gave each family a lamp, and they were, they were to bring the lamp with them each time they came to worship. Each time you are here, he said, the area where you are seated will be lighted. Each time you are not here, the area will be dark. This is to remind us to remind you and me that whenever you fail to participate in the church, some part of God's house will be dark. When we, pay, when we fail to participate in the way that God wants us to participate, some house Somewhere, it'll be dark. Jesus says you are what? You are the light of the world. You're like a city set on top of a hill to be a light. And if we are going to be what God wants us to be at as a body of believers, members one of another, we need to recognize that we all have to play our part, whatever that part might be look like. I know with all my heart, I know just as much as I breathe life that God has given each of us gifts and talents. And I believe that some of you have gifts or talents that no one else has. And God has not intended to give them to anyone else but you. And he's given them to you to participate in in his body. You say, well, I don't know, Pastor. I really don't know what that is for me. i like, you know, that's what I thought when Ron called me and asked if I'd be interim. I don't know, Ron. I'm 71 years old. That was my first thought. But I'm glad God changed my mind because these months have been the most blessed months of my life. Getting to know my brother has been a privilege for me. But not only that, God has reaffirmed me in my study this week. If you hadn't come, Gary, the place might not be as bright because you grabbed your light and you brought it here. You say, well, I don't know what mine is. I say, we keep looking. You know, what we had in our reading today, we had all these nice spiritual gifts like tongues and preachers and teachers and apostles and miracle healers and miracle workers. And then it says, and seek ye... The greatest gifts. So you say, well, I don't speak in tongues. I'm not a teacher. I'm not a preacher. I'm not an apostle. That's not really what the passage is trying to say because it's in the context of the body. It's in the context of the human body. And there are many things that go on in the human body, seen and unseen. You want to know what your gift is? I tell you, seek your passion. Seek what you're passionate about. And you will have your, that's your gift. Whatever it is you're passionate about, that's the gift you have. Instead of trying to think, God, show me, and you start running through this Bible, or how many of you have done a gift analysis? Ever been through those gift analysis things the churches used to do years ago? Did it do anything for you? Except, that's nice. Passion. Passion will tell you what your gift is. Are you passionate about singing? Are you passionate about missions? Are you passionate about playing with little children? What is your passion? Whatever it is, that's your gift. And that's what needs to come to fold in your interdependence. You need to bring that gift into the body and begin to use it. Because when we don't, we're not as bright as we could be. We won't be the visible Jesus that God wants us to be. Maybe a, a neat illustration would say, let us use a kite as an example. How many, you flew a, how many of you guys flew a kite when you were a kid? I'll tell you, that was great. I always lost mine. Well, question is asked in an analogy who flew the kite? I come, I did, comes the reply from the wind. I did, shouts the paper. I did, exclaims the tail. No, no, I did, says the string. You're all wrong. I did, boasts the boy. But in reality, they all flew the kite. If the wind had had lulled, if the paper had torn, if the tail had gotten caught in the tree, that's me, If the the string had broken or the boy had fallen down, then the kite would have come tumbling down. Each part had to play their part. And if we as Christians don't understand that, if we in this body of believers don't understand it, or more so get connected to that with all of our energy, this witness will come tumbling down. And we'll have a swinging door out there They'll come in for a week or two and see our great music and and all the wonderful things we do, but they will go out. I tell you, my friends, where we're going in these next 12 messages, I believe will make or break you. You will be a witnessing church or you will be a church. Which one do you want to be? Thirdly, each member is interconnected. Each member is interconnected. The final principle that Paul is trying to convey to us about our individual need, needfulness for each other or members one another is that we are interconnected. Let me bring this to an example by giving you another example from human bodies. And I told that one to this, mor- to this morning to the little ones. How many of you have ever stumbled your toe in the dark? It hurts. That little significant member of the body that we pay little attention to, my fingernails that popped out, I, pay little, I give very little attention to. Now our ladies, on the other hand, they treat their fingernails very special. They manicure them, they file them, they're now even putting graphic arts on them. But us men... What are those things for anyway? Well, I learned that day they were for sort of something because they protected the rest of my finger underneath my fingernails from that incident. And then when, the, when my coach put them back down, when my coach put my fingers back down and wrapped them, he did it not because he wanted to relieve the pain, not because he, well, maybe he wanted to win the ball game, I don't know, but he put them down so they wouldn't get infected. They wouldn't get infected. We are interconnected, our bodies are interconnected. I believe, and I read this article this week, so I want to share it to you, and and, and the the author of this, this one was anonymous, but he talks about one of the greatest difficulties of the modern church, and he calls it spiritual leprosy. The church has fallen into the trap of spiritual leprosy. Uh, one of the ma- he goes on. One of the major diseases affecting the body of Christ today is what I call spiritual leprosy. Do you know what physical leprosy is? You are probably more apt to recognize it by the effects and symptoms associated with the disease rather than its actual root problem. Lepers are known to be for their swollen hands and feet and the festering sores on their bodies, but that is not leprosy at its most basic form. A simple description of leprosy found in Webster's Dictionary states, it is a germ disease causing gradual loss of feeling. It's a germ that causes gradual loss of healing. We as a church can easily fall into spiritual leprosy because we are not building ourselves as a body and gradually we lose sight of what God has for us. It just gradually becomes a disease and we lose track of where God wants us to be and what he wants us to do. It doesn't come just like that. It just doesn't, just, just doesn't snap to do that. It's, just, it's like putting a chicken in cold water and boiling it. They don't even know they're in the hot water till it gets too hot. Spiritual leprosy, I learned this morning from that, is this. This is what happens when members of the body... Become, become infected and lose sight of their cause. Our scripture mo- reading this morning says, when one member hurts, all hurt. When mem- one member rejoices, all rejoice. When one member is sad, all are sad. It's the interconnection that we have with each other. And we are our own worst enemies in allowing that to happen because we are not, and I'm gonna spend a whole message on this so I don't want to get very far with it today, we are not honest with one another. When we come into church in the morning, and I do it all the time, I say, how are you this morning? I'm fine. You're not all fine. Well, how can I rejoice with you? How can I carry your burdens? How can I be part of you if you don't tell me? The body is to be interconnected with each other so that we become, what? That powerful weapon in the spiritual world. Members one of another. Is so vitally important. It is so vitally important. Let me tell you by closing by this chap whose name you may not know it, ASAP. He is famous for his fables and teachings. And he goes on to tell this fable of the belly. One day it occurred to the members of the body that they were doing, that they were doing all the work while the belly was having all the food. So they held a meeting, presumably without inviting the belly, and after a long discussion decided to strike work until the belly consented to take its proper share of the work. So for a day or two, the hands refused to take food, the the mouth refused to receive it, and the teeth had no work to do. But after a day or two, the members began to find that they themselves were not in very active condition. The hands could not hardly move, The mouse was all parched and dry while the legs were unable to support the rest of the body. They found that even the belly in its dull, quiet way was necessary for the work of the body that all must work together or the body will fall to pieces. The body will fall to pieces, members one of another. Let me close before communion. Dr. Get says this. Oh, I've already shared that with you, but it's there, in case you want to take notes. Becoming the visible Jesus. Becoming the visible Jesus. In order for the church to function properly, it must have a variety of parts that work together as a whole. When we understand and apply the one another's, Which begins with our commitment to each other as members one of another. Only then will visitors walking through our church see the visible Jesus. You've heard me speak about that quite a bit, right? I think sometimes I say, Are you ready? Are you ready to become the visible Jesus? You can answer. I mean, are you really ready? I'm going to see. I have here Visible Jesus bracelets. BTVJ. If you really mean that you want to become the Visible Jesus and you're committed to what Jesus wants to teach us through the next of these one-anothers, then I want you to take one of these and I want you to wear it. As a reminder every day, as a reminder every day, I want to become the visible Jesus. I have mine on. I used to have three other bracelets on here, but Jesus replaced them all. And I want to be reminded myself. And I have already had a person I. Went driving with the other night. Asked me what that was. Well, let me tell you. Let me tell you. Numbers one of another. It's step one. As we come to communion this morning, I'm gonna ask the team to join us here. Pastor Ken. Come and